So this evening I've been invited to uh, give a Dhamma talk. So it's it's uh, unusual. To <laughs> but since the only Siladars from Chithurst have come up here, and they're used to Dhamma talks on Saturday night. <laughs> it's out of compassion for them. <laughs> and then Pal Vakas from Budapest and his group brought some uh, students from the Buddhist college in Budapest. They'll be leaving tomorrow. So I thought of as well since there's such nice requests that I felt it was appropriate. And since I say the same thing over and over again, I, <laughs> I sometimes think, <laughs> you know, you've heard it all before, so, so uh, why do you want to hear it again? <laughs> but then that's just thinking from my, the sense of me as some, somebody giving a talk. And uh, this, uh, this uh, you know, I've investigated for 40 years, this a sense of a self, separate self, self-consciousness, or me as a personality, or as a ajahn, or Buddhist monk, or whatever, you know, the, the identities or the perceptions of self, uh, and how that affects consciousness and uh, so this is why you know I keep emphasizing uh, over the past year I've been really emphasizing the uh, you know to to really recognize consciousness in the present and it's not you don't create it it's not it's not a, a self uh, so uh, and we sometimes get confused because we we attach to the words, to the concepts, to the perceptions in Theravada Buddhism, and oftentimes we get, we can get them quite wrong because we interpret them from from a conditioned view, from a dualistic intellectual positioning, or from um, you know what we've heard from others, or how we interpret the, them from the scriptures themselves. But in terms of here and now, you know, the way it is, this is where, you know, this is this investigation, um, just waking up and noticing this very moment, the way it is, is that we're experiencing consciousness. And this is, this is not, and this is, be, you know, this consciousness then is, is a natural, state of being that we're experiencing because 
you don't you don't create it out of ignorance and out of the self view it's uh, dhamma it's the way it is and uh, this is uh, consciousness you know in this form so we're experiencing consciousness in a separate form so the form the, this was sitting up here in this high seat uh, experiencing consciousness from and so consciousness then is you know through the senses experiencing how the senses affect consciousness through sight sound smell taste touch thinking emotional habits or whatever you know whatever conditions arise but uh, what I'm encouraging is to recognize pure consciousness uh, and you know and, and the fact that it is before you create yourself into it before you create I am this person I am like this I have to I, I'm giving a talk and and I say the same thing all the time why do you want to hear it that's I create that in that I'm creating that but consciousness, whether I'm sitting down there or here in my kuti or wherever, I can create a sense of a self in it. Myself as a monk or as a man or as American or British or as, as a old man or a, a Buddhist monk with 40 vases. Uh, I, I can create myself as a Tanjil Kun, which doesn't mean anything in this country. So most uh, like the non-Thais, if I said I'm a Tanjil Kun, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. You might think I'm a space cadet or a alien from outer space. <laughs> but these are titles or conventions, uh, perceptions. And so in the five khanda, the panchakanda pattern, you know, that paradigm, you begin to notice like, like the body, this human body that we identify with, is a natural condition. You, don't, you didn't create it. You know, in this moment, at this very moment, I'm not talking about whether you actually in your previous life, after you died, you deliberately chose to become this that's speculation, isn't it? But in terms of this very moment, here and now, you didn't create the body, you didn't create consciousness, but you can create the sense of yourself right now, uh, and, and your personality, and your position, your identity, your self-worth, your feelings, your loves and hates, likes and dislikes, preferences, prejudices, ideals you create that I can create that so beginning to notice what I what I do create you know and not sense of original creation is not putting creation on a high level of like creating wonderful art and and music and all that but it's it's this this kind of creation of oneself through through habit through never awakening, looking, investigating Dhamma, we just keep 
repeating the same old habits till we die. You know, then we get old and we're still thinking, I'm Ajahn Sumedho and I'm like this and goes on and on. And, and so we put this into like the, uh, uh, this is a Sankhara, putting it into Dhamma terms. So all sankharas are impermanent, and uh, so that then I can cling to the idea of impermanent. I believe because the Buddha says so. All sankharas are impermanent. All if you're a Buddhist, you have to believe that all sankharas are impermanent. But that's coming. I'm creating that too, isn't it? I'm interpreting scripture from uh, this sense of a self, from ignorance. From Abhicha, I create uh, my interpretation of Buddhist teaching. And so I make uh, impermanence, all sankharas are impermanent, into a kind of Buddhist doctrine that you have to believe in. But I can also be aware of that. So in the present moment, awareness, being the sati sampatanya, or awakenness, awareness, attentiveness, is is the way that we is the what the, the Buddha encouraged us to cultivate, and in this cultivation, it's not a creation. I don't create awareness. It's not done out of ignorance or desire or a sense of a self. It's natural. Just you know, we you, you every one of us would be dead long ago if we were never aware. You know, it's absolutely condition sine qua non for survival uh, you know just to survive on the in the on this planet but but then the the human condition is we we don't we even though we're, we we ha we experience awareness we're strongly identified out of ignorance with conditions with the body i mean we're very strongly Identify with what we look like, what sex we are, what uh, you know, what color our skin is, uh, our size, whether we're tall or short, fat or thin, whether we're young or old. And with these are, we create this, don't we? Even, even if the body, whatever, whatever it is, you know, if it's tall or short, fat or thin white or black or whatever, the identity with it, I create, I'm a, I'm a white man. The body doesn't say that. You know, it never says, you are a white man. I create this perception. So, I mean, this is like investigating, getting to notice the way it is. The body is what it is. It breathes. It's a sensitive form, it's conscious. So we have, you know, we have the six senses, we have the consciousness. Uh, we're living in this, on this planet, in this sense realm. So this is, this is a feeling experience. It's all about sensitivity and feeling. And this is just the way it is, you know, the pleasure, pain, Beautiful beauty or ugliness or success or failure or good and bad, right and wrong. Pleasure, 
on, on displeasure and that through through sensory experience. And then the identity. What I like, I like pleasure and happiness, I don't like ugliness and pain. But so in the awakened consciousness, consciousness with awakeness and with banya or wisdom, we begin to investigate ex the reality of here and now. So that we we get to know the way it is, not the way we want it to be or the way it should be. So in the Buddha's teaching then is pointing to the way it is. It's not a doctrine. It's not saying you have to believe everything is impermanent. It's this is one one thing you begin to recognize when you when you when you're mindful is that everything you're experiencing through the senses, through the mind is changing. You know, there's nothing, there's no, there's no stability in it. There's no, you know, it, it, it has a beginning, it rises and ceases, it depends on conditions. You know, whether you, how you feel, whether you feel happy or sad or, you know, a sunny day is a different feeling that affects me differently than a cold, wet, rainy day. That's just the way it is because the, the, the conditions have changed. Springtime coming over from Maikuti this year, I was noticing how beautiful all the flowering trees, the cherry trees are in blossom and the tulips and daffodils and primroses and everything is so pretty. And when you're, and then, then there was lovely weather and, and, and lovely weather and springtime and pretty flowers is like this. It has, it affects my consciousness. It affects consciousness. Sense of, it feels good. It's pleasant. It's a pleasant sense experience, mental experience. So this is in recognizing what sensitivity is. Because we, you know, coming from a winter where it, it, it can be, you know, the weather's cold and the, there's no flowers, no tree, uh, leaves on the trees. Uh, everything looks, uh, can look very subdued and asleep. Every winter in, in England, is, everything's kind of resting. It's not ugly, but it's, it's not pretty like springtime. But you begin to, you know, if you compare winter with spring, then you, you know, out of ignorance, then you think, oh, spring, springtime's so beautiful, and winter is so cold and ugly, and so bleak, and I get so depressed, and springtime I feel alive again, and then we make it into, you know, comparing winter with spring, then you, you know, on a personal level of, you know, if you like pretty flowers, uh, better than barren trees, then you 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 know you make a you make a problem about it. But actually, if you're just aware, if you're just resting in in consciousness and awakeness, you know it's winter. Uh, what we perceive as winter is like this, and what we spring is like this, and it changes. And you can't keep the pretty spring feeling; it goes away quite quickly. In the in the summer, and so forth. So this is just like observing the way it is. 
it's not criticizing or wishing it otherwise, it's just noticing the, uh, the changingness of conditions. So like in, uh, one thing I've enjoyed living here in, in England is, is the changing of the seasons, because it is very obvious. And each season, the four seasons have their certain kind of quality. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, when, when you begin to let go of comparing everything with beautiful spring day, and uh, your ideal maybe, maybe your ideal of happiness and how things should be is to be a beautiful spring day with perfect weather, not too hot, not too cold, beautiful flowers, blue skies, that's an ideal. So then everything that doesn't, doesn't quite live up to that is going to be, you know, I don't like this, don't like that, uh, too cold, too hot, too bleak, no beautiful, not the, the daffodils die, and when they die, they aren't very nice, they aren't very beautiful anymore, and we don't like to look at them. Wilted, rotting daffodils. <laughs> Nobody writes poetry about rotten daffodils either. <laughs> so, you know, this is, uh, just to, this is the way we, we begin to, to recognize our, how our ego, how our preferences, how our, this ignorance affects consciousness. Like, it's, it's not, it's attachment, isn't it? Out of ignorance we attach to maybe spring day, perfect spring day is the ideal. And then remember it. Remember the perfect spring day. And then we attach to that memory and then that's what, and then we compare uh, the ordinary, the changing of the seasons with, with that. And what do you get? You know, it's never going to be as good as that, except maybe a few days in the springtime. <laughs> so this is how you learn, you know, investigation, looking into the way things are. You, you know, you, you're, you're using discernment, which is non-critical. It's not saying one thing's better than another, it's just recognizing. And this is consciousness. This is you're doing because you're experiencing consciousness, and it's not something that comes out of ignorance and attachment. It's natural state of our being. This is this is natural, and and we're we're not, uh, you know, we since and it's not a self. It's not that consciousness is in me. And my consciousness is different from you. On the conscious level, we're one. But then I, then I start creating myself, then I, I'm Arjun Samedo and you're somebody else. So then, you see, I create that division out of thinking, out of attachment to perception. So then we experience uh, division. You know, what's right, what's wrong, nuns, monks, lay people, Theravada, Mahayana, Vajrayana, and on and on like that. These, these are human creations. 
and then then there's nothing wrong with these with these perceptions, but it's the attachment, blind attachment, ignorant attachment to perception that we experience the suffering because we we're always living in a state of separateness if we don't awaken. We're caught in this division of the I'm this person, you're that person. And that's the way it seems uh, out of ignorance. That one feels loneliness, uh, one longs for union or happiness, uh, love, these kind of words wanting, uh, you know, experience mystical union or union with God or oneness. And then, then the sense of loneliness or self-consciousness always is, you know, is quite, can be quite painful experience. Because, you know, feeling that I am actually, that my reality is I am this body, I am this personality. And, and I've got also developed a very critical thinking mind. So the tendency is to see see myself through criticism, through through negative perceptions. What's what I don't like about myself tends to be quite uh, a strong habit. So you know I can create my you know through this through the, without of ignorance and uh, and just the way my personality works and the conditioning of it. You can. You know, it's just, it's the way it is. My personality tends to uh, exaggerate and, and tend to become obsessed with the flaw or the, the, the thing that isn't so good. So then the sense of self-consciousness, not wanting to stand out, not wanting to, to put myself in a position where I can be hurt. Like when you're sitting up on a high seat in front of a, uh, and other people talking into a microphone, you know, you're actually putting yourself in a position where everybody is, uh, you know, everybody's focused on on you, on me. And 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 uh, you know, what do they think? You know, what do they? How do they feel? Uh, what's going on? You know, with if, uh, in some, some, you know, you can start looking at people whether they, you know, it's, I mean, that person looks rather hostile, like he doesn't agree with me. Or one of those nuns, they don't seem very pleased with what I'm saying. Uh, and you can, <laughs> you can get very, you know, become very uh, quite miserable by worrying about what others think because you. You are, you know, by giving a domination, you are putting yourself in a position where everybody's focused on you. And so then the desire to, I just want to be just another monk, you know, just, uh, even even the robes, too self-conscious, make me too freaky in this society. You can't go into London, everybody looks at you and people point at you, stare at you and you're always different, and uh, I just like to be one of the guys, you know, some some ordinary bloke in the crowd, you know, just uh, uh, blend in the self-consciousness. Do you ever have feelings like that? You know, so that you you aren't special, you know, you don't stand out. 
So in uh, observing, in, in mindfulness, sati sampajanya, this uh, it is consciousness with wisdom. So you can be conscious and ignorant or conscious with wisdom. So this particular teaching of the Buddha is to develop wisdom. Use wisdom in forming conscious experience. So these teachings of the Buddha, they're actually wisdom. They're not wise in themselves. They're just words like anything else. But they're wisdom teachings because they're always pointing. Their, their purpose is not for attachment but for they're, they're like pointers. Where are they pointing? They're pointing to here. Not to look at yourself from ignorance and, and, and think about how horrible you are or what your faults are, what, how you, what you should become or that. But to, because it's not, it's not, not a condemning or critical, uh, meditation is not condemning or critical. It's awakenness and discernment, recognizing, realizing the way it is. Now when I start criticizing myself, that comes from thinking and habit and a sense of a self, that there's something, you know, I'm a kind of permanent person with permanent flaws. Because I can think way back into childhood, in teenage, you know, just uh, the, 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 I can remember a lot of the mistakes or stupid things I've done or where I've failed or been humiliated or where I've screwed things up or done something wrong or, or was clumsy or oafish or insensitive or whatever. I can remember so much of that in my life. And the, and the, the happy moments and the, Positive things, I don't tend to remember that easily. It's more a struggle to... Why? Why is it like <laughs> And I don't know why it is, but that's the, you know, that's the way my personality operates. This uh, Sakya Ditti. So I'm not condemning it, you know, I'm not saying I shouldn't do this, because that's, that's... Then I get obsessed with there's something wrong with me, and I shouldn't be the way I am. And that's problem, isn't it? Self-consciousness, sense of self, and, uh, and attachment and ignorance. So awakenness then is, is, um, is very simple. It's here and now, and with learning to uh, listen, pay attention, observe. So in the, Thai forest tradition, you know, this puto, this uh, mantra, uh, puto the Buddha, is actually, you know, it's a very direct, very direct mantra. Puto, puto, and anything. So what? Puto, puto. But it means, what does it mean? It means awakened consciousness. So even in this two-syllable word, puto, you know, there's, there's profound wisdom in just that one reminder, not to grasp it and, and believe in some, some kind of Buddha in outer space or, or some kind of 
uh, energy, Buddha energy in the universe you know, that you conceive of. It's not to do that, right? You conceive of some, or Buddha nature is something the out there, you know, that you've got to find. But it is a, it, it, it is a reminder. So in this, in this, this recitation of Bhutto, you know, one can develop that into a reminder. Awakened consciousness here and now. It's not, and, and it's not about me becoming Buddha or anything. If that, then that's Sakyaditi again. It's just, it's a skillful means. It's an upaya for, uh, to remind ourselves, because we do, you know, it's so easy to forget and get lost in the habits of me and mine, self-consciousness, emotional habits that one has, fears and desires, and 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 just be, it's so easy to be whirled away into that conditioned realm again, because, you know, we've so it's such a powerful uh, experience. The self-view is a very powerful perception. So it does take a kind of continuous determination, you know, to keep keep at it and to use everything that's happening. You know, praise or blame, success or failure, um, good health, bad health, whatever. You know, just to observe uh, what, what self is. We're not trying to get rid of self. We're not we're trying to not trying to annihilate, but recognize it. Now, this, you know, I can speak with confidence because you, you begin to separate. You begin to notice, discern what self is, what sakyaditi is, because you know it's something that changes all the time. How I feel, what I like and dislike, and and that, it's always changing. What I think and and my whether I feel happy or sad or threatened or frightened or whatever that changes according to conditions, just like the weather. Sunny spring, spring day, like this. That which is observing, that's consciousness. Consciousness is, in even the English word means kind of knowing. It's knowing. It's a universal knowing. It's not because it's not person, not educated. It's not conditioned by culture or social attitudes or uh, language. So in Thai they say tamachat natural state what's natural so so this is uh this is natural consciousness the body's natural and then i can begin to be aware of what i think about the body you know way i attach to it identify with it with its size with its age with its gender with it it's you know so well then i and then i judge it you know i can be critical you know, getting old, wrinkled, spotty skin. I'm not as pretty as I used to be. 
That's the way it is, isn't it? Old age is like this. And in the sense of a self. So you, now just noticing that, that which is aware is Bhutto. So, so this, is, this is just, you know, sharing what I've learned. Uh, is that this Bhutto then, is it that this which is aware of the self? Really investigate that. It's, con it's consciousness, you're not unconscious when you're aware of, of your sense of your self-worth or your emotional state. And what is it that it knows that you feel anger? Because some, somebody insults you and you feel angry and, and you know there's anger there. What is it that knows that 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 you're feeling angry at that at the moment in the moment? Well, we always we see it. Put it back into the sense of self. I'm angry. You know, I'm angry because you said something to offend me, and, and then it becomes. Then we create that into my problem. You're to blame. You should never have said what you did. Uh, You've made me suffer because uh, of your insults. And so it gets complicated, neurotic, and then we act on it, or we just suppress it, and we feel guilty about getting angry, because being a Buddhist monk, you know, 40 years, Buddhist monk, shouldn't be angry. Should have conquered anger. Should, should, you know, the self says, you shouldn't, you know, Buddhist monks, you know, they 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 don't they don't get angry anymore. Arahants don't get angry. They're always blissful and kind of floating up in clouds. And I'm certainly not doing that. <laughs> so they you know, we can create arahants or Buddhas or self. And it's still Sakyaditi. You know, what you think an Arahant is or Buddha or Kuan Yin or uh, yourself, you know, it's it's thinking, isn't it? It's perception. And that which is aware and awake of perception is Bhutto. So this is, this Bhutto then is just a skillful means to to warn yourself, to be aware of this. Not to criticize it, not even no matter what you're thinking or feeling, because as soon as you start criticizing it or judging it, then you're lost back into the self again. You know, you're caught back into the delusion. So that's why uh, letting go of the thinking mind, you know, the critical mind, because it's dualistic. You know, it's very, that's all it can go, it can take you so far, and then you have to let go of, of thoughts. Not not get rid of thoughts, but let go. No longer try to solve all your problems and and interpret all experience from thinking about it or from views and opinions you hold. So you begin to to really recognize awakened consciousness is this. It's very simple, natural state of being. Lung Po Cha called it our real home, because this is where there's no suffering. This is where we don't create suffering and onto the way things are. Things change just like they do anywhere else, you know. So, but, and so they, 
you know, you feel pain or somebody insults you and you feel, you know, you feel their insult. doesn't mean you're indifferent and insensitive and you don't notice anything. But you, you begin to observe your refuge is in Bhutto in, and in Dhamma rather than in trying to make, every, you know, trying to get rid of, of your faults or make yourself into a virtuous person. You'll never really, you can, you know, that's good in a way, but it's not liberating. You can't, you know, one aspires to be a good person. I do. Be a good monk, be a good person. Aspire to be compassionate and, uh, and uh, you know, kind person, generous person. I'm you know, that kind of ideal. Now if I just bind myself to my aspirations, then whenever I feel mean and selfish, I feel very guilty. So if I'm, I aspire to be kind and generous and selfless, and then I have a mean and selfish feeling, what, what do you do? You know, they, oh, I'm, I'm not very, you know, I'm not a very good monk. You know, I shouldn't feel like this. This is this is a bad feeling. You're judging it again, isn't it? You're you're criticizing it. Mean and selfishness is bad. Selflessness and kindness, generosity are good. Now these are creations on the thinking level, and they're true and right. You know. Being kind and generous is good, being mean and selfish is bad. It's logical. <laughs> but in terms of Dhamma, you know, the, the way it is, it's, it's like the weather, when, the, when the, it changes to cold and wet, you know, it's just the way things, condition phenomena changes. It's, it's, it's not me or mine. And if I if I spend my time hating the cold and wet, then I'm mis really miserable. It can be cold and wet and not suffer, or cold and wet and suffer. See, so with awakeness, you still feel, feel the cold and the, and the wetness, but you don't create suffering around it. You learn how to adapt, how to cope with change and, uh, and that through wisdom. You can respond. You can uh, to to the changing conditions in in skillful ways. So and you you can blame your misery on the cold, wet weather, and that's self again, isn't it? Cold, wet weather's like this. How I relate to it, then suddenly I'm awakened to it. It's bearable, you know. The thirty years now in England. And, uh, you know, I quite like the climate. It's not, I don't find it, you know, I don't mind the cold, wet weather because I don't create negative attitudes around it. It's just the way things change here. And and it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to, to spend the day wishing it or otherwise because I know better. This is a way of, like, 
informing uh, you know yourself, informing your consciousness, so that you you know you you don't create suffering out of ignorance. So in in terms of the you know feeling vedana, having a body um, with eyes. Ears, nose, tongue, sensitive body. This is this is a sense realm. So this is the experience of pleasure and pain, heat and cold, beautiful and ugly, and so forth. This is this is the way it is. This is Dhamma. The puto or the knowing knows that that all conditions, you know, has this insight into. Uh, condition phenomena is changingness, and sensitivity is is like this. You know, you're in a, you're experiencing sensitivity in consciousness. So that's tama, that's dhammacha, that's natural condition. And then then we create the self onto the sensitivity. So I like pleasure, but I hate pain. I like to be healthy and vigorous, but I don't like to be sick and weak. I like, you know, I want to to just have all the best. I want good health, eternal youth, vigor, happiness. And that's heaven, isn't it? I want heaven. But recognize that this realm we're in is not heaven. You know, it's not, it's it's like this. This is a sense realm. It's, so it's not going to be, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be what you want, but it is the way it is. And so that our relationship to sensitivity is puto, is knowing. See, and recognizing, studying, observing sensitivity. Not just trying to protect yourself from pain and unhappiness, but whatever, you know, the pain, physical pain, physical illness, emotional grief or despair, whatever, is like this. And so you you begin to have more confidence in awareness, where you can actually, you know, let go of, of just the habitual reactions of of trying to get rid of pain and Anguish and despair, and and always looking, seeking happiness. So then, uh, the body is, uh, you know, just contemplate your own body as this is this is a this is like the trees or the flowers or you know, it's it's, it's nat- natural condition. So we're not saying, saying anything wrong with it. It's like the. The the trees and the flowers, you know, they, you know, they come, they they get born, grow up, get old and die, like the daffodils and so forth. So I mean, it this is dhammacha, this is natural. And then I claim this as me, and judge it according to views of what I'd like and what I want in life. I'm set up for a life of misery. But if I begin to to just uh, allow to recognize the nature, the way things are, the body 
is like this, and, and consciousness. Now consciousness, you notice in, uh, in Theravada Buddhism, I notice that they emphasize the four elements, uh, earth, fire, water, and air, but very seldom they encourage you to, there's two others, space and consciousness. Now, now space and consciousness is really the key because, uh, you know, these are like earth, fire, water, and air are about forms, aren't they? Qualities of conditions. So there's a solid, the, the, the action, the heat and, and movement and so forth and cohesion and that all around the four elements, earth, fire, water, and air. Space. Now just contemplate right now, you're sitting here uh, and there's space everywhere. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's so obvious you don't notice, you may not notice it. And then it's, it's everywhere. And where does it end? You know, you say, well, the walls of this sala? You know where there's space outside the wall. This sala's in space. The planet Earth is in space. Where does space end? In terms of the here and now, you know, so space, just by contemplating space through, through, through eye consciousness, it's natural condition. You don't create it. And space isn't good or bad, is it? It, it's not beautiful or ugly. What comes and goes in the space can be beautiful or ugly, good or bad. But the space itself is spacious. It's, you know, that's all you can say about it. Consciousness is like that. You're experiencing consciousness right now. Where does it end? Where is it, where are its boundaries? It doesn't have any form, so it's like uh, it's it has this sen a sense of infinity, and it's immeasurable consciousness. And you're experiencing consciousness. You know, it's, uh, it's like space. It's your your whole life. You're experiencing consciousness. From where you know, from this position, from the from your body, from your form. So this is just natural. This is this is this is tamachat again. This is the way it is. So that which is aware, you know, that that consciousness, oh, and we combined with awareness, because you can be start raving mad and still be conscious, <laughs> but not aware, with no wisdom, like insanity, is, there's no wisdom in it, it's total delusion. And yet you're conscious. So this is where learning to recognize and appreciate this very natural state of being, the, in the human, human condition that you're in, experiencing right now, consciousness, then thought arises, sense of me and mine, uh, happiness, uh, 
despair, depression, uh, jealousy, fear, boredom, doubt, worry, anxiety, self-consciousness, and so forth. These come and go and change according to conditions. So this is why your, your refuge is in Bhutto or in Buddha, you know, to, to the, which, which signifies awakened consciousness, consciousness with awareness, with panya or with wisdom. So this is the whole point of our life our, as samanas. You know, this is, this is, this is the purpose of this lifestyle, its sole purpose, you know, is not to make another identity and another condition that one attaches to, you know, which is easy to do. It's easy to pick up monastic life and, and become very attached to, you know, to your views about it or your identity with your position or whatever. But then, when you when when there when you take refuge in Bhutto, then you begin to see the suffering. Because I can be, you know, a self-conscious monk. I can feel jealousy. I can feel fear. As a monk, <laughs> doesn't get me out of all that. I can feel conceit and arrogance. I can feel inferior or superior according to conditions changing on the Sakya Ditti level. But that but the refuge is in the Bhutto, so that is you know, that gives me that perspective on that. How I how I hold monasticism, the attachment I have to to monastic forms or monastic tradition or position or uh, you know, the the tradition or the the way I've hold the tradition, the way I happen to, on a personal level, regard it, my interpretation, personal opinion about the tradition, and so forth. Now, the awakened awareness then is a it, you know notices this way it is, attachment to. Conditioned phenomena out of ignorance is dukkha. The result is dukkha or suffering. Or sense of separateness or something's wrong, something's lacking, something's missing. Something is always missing. Something isn't quite enough as long as one is ignorant and, and attached to conditions. Because uh, you are attaching to what's unsatisfactory all the time. You know, so how could it be otherwise if your attachments are to that which very nature is unsatisfying? You're never going to be satisfied. <laughs> it's just impossible. Wherein, when you investigate that and see the suffering caused through attachment, then you, you have the insight of letting go releasing your hold, your grasping habit to where then the then you can flow, roll with the flow as they say. One can adapt and respond to changing conditions rather than just 
control and and uh, you know be miserable when they change the way we don't like them. We don't want them to change like that. One can feel very threatened by you know you can you hear it all the time now in the world you know the population problem immigration islamic terrorists uh, uh on on and on and on about uh, climate change and destruction of the environment and and uh, you know there's so many ominous signs on the condition plane that are that we're all very conscious of and and when we you know and when we grasp these perceptions then we feel you know it's pretty feel pretty frightened by it the the, the kind of news you get is uh, you know is rather depressing or frightening because it's not what i want you know i don't want pollution and I wouldn't mind the climate changing if it changed the way that I like it to. <laughs> uh, but it might change the way I, you know, the way I don't want it to change. And then uh, population. So many people. How are we going to feed all these people on this planet? And uh, there's poverty. And there's wealth. And so many, and then, then all these fanat religious fanatics and so forth. If anybody, if everybody could just be reasonable, and you know, and then we have the ideals of, you know, the awakening to, to you know, where we we don't hoard wealth, we share, and and uh, we can afford to support the population if we. If we're not greedy and we let go of our greed and and grow organic vegetables in our back garden, <laughs> and uh, you know one can form very pleasant pictures of and scenarios of what I would like, but uh, you know, and that's not you know it is one can create beautiful pictures and ideals. But the grasping of those pictures, those ideals, just creates more suffering. Because it's, the world isn't going the way that, that, that it should, according to my view. So in, notice like in the meditation, in practice in bhavana, we're actually observing the way it is, which is non-judgmental. It's not saying change is bad, or good. That all conditions are impermanent and that, that means the conditions are bad. It's just saying, just noticing, make it a point out of the way it is. If you, doesn't take much effort to observe that, uh, you know, the way th that your experience is always around change. And so it's, it's just learning to to recognize it, like space in the room or consciousness, waking up to the way it is, to changingness of conditioned phenomena. And the non-self, the, the self is a burden, you know, to carry it around, this sense of me and mine. 
is, you know, even at its best, it's still lonesome to be a person. You know, you always want somebody else to take away your loneliness or, you know, you want uh, conditions that make you feel happy and loved and and appreciated and respected on the self level. I want people to to love me and respect me and and uh, to make me feel good, to make me feel all right on a personal level. So the the self, and even when they do, you know, uh, it's never enough. Sometimes you feel you know too much. Everybody loves me too much. Stop fussing about it. <laughs> so they, so they know, you know, one. The, you know, one does. I don't expect satisfaction on the stakyaditi level. You know, because I know that that is is basic, basic, uh, basic characteristic is change. And and uh, Sakya Ditti is not a refuge. It's not what I'm going to take refuge in. So that's why I encourage this this Bhutto or awakened consciousness here and now. And then these, this particular tradition, the Four Noble Truths, and this is very direct, really. It's very very direct and very skillful. Um, convention. But you've got, you know, I encourage you to use it for everything, you know, everything that happens to you in in um, in your life. You know, good or bad. What you want or don't want. The state of your health, whatever. And just keep pursuing it till you, you know, you really trust. You really know my I, my real home is this awareness. It's consciousness. It's a pure conscious awareness. And this is this isn't dependent on conditions. It doesn't depend on monasteries or peaceful situations or everything going my way or everything going the wrong way or whatever. It's 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 uh, you know it's 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 a true refuge to to recognize it and treasure this opportunity uh, that we all have for for this kind of realization. So I think that's enough for now.